You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Neither my wife nor Pastor Stacy is here. So I have no accountability whatsoever, can say whatever I want. But we're in a, a series called um, uh, Let Us Pray, all about uh, a passage in James chapter 5 that talks about the, the effectiveness of, of prayer. And uh, I want to uh, preach a message that I've had on my heart for a bit, and it's called Take Heart. The message is called Take Heart. And um, we've had a pretty crazy day um, my wife and I were having breakfast this morning in our kitchen, and uh, Zeke and Everly, our kids, were at their little kids' table in the, um, in the living room, and we just heard a, a thud, and we're like, what was that? So we go around, and my daughter's just laying on the ground, and she wasn't moving, and so we picked her up, and, um, and she was just locked up and seizing. She was, had a seizure this morning. And so we were just like, oh, my gosh, you know. And so we, I called 911, and I took a little ambulance ride over the Coronado Bridge to, to uh, Rady Children's. And so it was a wild morning. But I think um, when we think about prayer and we think about a lifestyle of prayer, the crazy thing was the very first thing that Katie and I did was we prayed. Very first thing. Literally, I'm on the phone giving directions to the paramedics, and Katie is just holding my daughter, just speaking in tongues, praying, healing. And it's, that is our life. It's the only thing we know how to do. And she's fine, by the way. Daughter's fine. She's doing great. It's awesome. Yes, praise God. And I just, uh, and I, I, you know, I wonder, like, you know, no parent, I mean, that was a, it was way harder on us than it was on her. I mean, it was probably the longest 12 seconds of my life. And I thought about, like, okay, clearly the God that I serve, good God, doesn't want this to happen, didn't will this to happen, didn't choose for this to happen. But when you are a person of constant prayer, you are able to get glimpses into the kingdom. And even though God, and Bible says in Romans 8, 28, that he causes all things to work together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And so for, for me, and, and as I thought about the situation, God revealed something amazing to me because the whole rest of the day, it was, we were the most hypersensitive, attentive parents ever. Literally any squeak, noise, movement, we were like, oh, she all right, what's she doing? She okay? She okay? You good? You good, baby? You good? And it was like God spoke to us and said, when you are at your most frail is when I am at my most attentive. And so I'm just so excited to preach this message because I just know that God is going to do work. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to just kind of, I have one, one strategy. I'm going to lay it out there at the beginning. At the end of service, I'm going to preach really short. I'm going to open up this altar Okay, this is, we'd call it the altar, um, and it's really just a bunch of carpet at the front of the stage. And I'm going to invite people up to this altar to have a moment with God. And the reason that you will come forward is if your answer is yes to a question. And the question is, are you willing to pray a prayer that I'm going to tell you at the end of the message? Okay. And build some suspense, okay? So that's where we're headed. So I'm going to read a story out of um, Matthew chapter 15. And it's a good chunk um, of scripture, but it is, I want you to, I want to tell you going into this, that this passage is the key to unlocking things that seem stuck in your world, okay? This is it. 
There are things that you just feel like there are ceilings and why am I not? And if you will take this to heart, this will unlock those things, okay? So we're gonna read Matthew 15, uh, starting in verse one, all the way through, all the way through um, verse 20. So I want you to, should be on the screen, I want you to follow along and I want you to listen closely because like I said, this is the key. This is the key, I'm giving you the secret right here. So verse one, Matthew 15, verse one. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He, Jesus answered them and said, why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded saying, honor your father and mother and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men." When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then his disciples came to him, verse 12, and said, uh, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Then Peter, of course it was Peter, answered and said to him, explain this parable to us. So Jesus said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? Jesus is talking about poop. How amazing is that? Okay. Verse 18, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. It's all about the heart. So we're in this series on prayer, and I want you to, it's important to understand what prayer is and what prayer is not. Prayer is not dispatching God to do things for you, okay? That's not what prayer is. And thinking of prayer that way will lead to very fruitless prayers, okay? What you are actually doing is bringing situations yourself under a kingdom alignment, Okay, and I, I used this analogy a few weeks ago, but imagine you're in a in a, a little rowboat and you're you're near the beach, you're in the water, and there's a there's you know an anchor on the shore, and there's a rope attaching the anchor to the boat. If you were to pull on the rope and pull, it would be very foolish to think that you are pulling the shore to you. What you are actually doing is pulling yourself to the shore. So when we pray, we don't pull God's will to us, we actually pull ourselves to God's will, okay? So when, you, when we pray for the sick and we see somebody get healed, that is not us bringing God to a sick person and God healing them. It's actually us bringing this illness and reminding the illness that it now exists in the kingdom of heaven. And in the kingdom of heaven, there is no illness. So it's not you grabbing God and asking God to do your bidding. It's you actually bringing yourself, your situation, your illness, whatever it is, under a kingdom alignment, 
okay? We are actually enforcers of the kingdom, okay? And a kingdom is just a form of government. It's an, an administration. It's a, the way things go. It's, it's rules, right? And so Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When he showed up, he's like, hey, kingdom of heaven is here. And what that means is there's a new way of doing things. There are new principles that now govern the universe, okay? But think about, I don't know what would be a good example. Like a, like a sports team, okay? Actually, yeah, well, sports team. Yeah, we'll do sports team. A new coach comes in, okay? And the new coach has his assistants. He has his trainers. And the new coach says, hey, we're doing things different now. There's a new administration here, okay? And instead of focusing on this or that, we're gonna focus on fundamentals. Everything we do is gonna be about fundamentals or whatever. So a new coach comes in with a new way of doing things, a new philosophy, right? But the players, that doesn't necessarily mean that all of a sudden the players magically are perfectly adapted to that philosophy, right? It takes the coach and the assistant coach reminding people, hey, no, 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 that's not the way we do this anymore. This is the way that we do that. Just because the kingdom of heaven is here does not mean that all the rules of the kingdom of heaven are enforced. It is our job to enforce the rules of the kingdom of heaven, okay? So imagine we defund the police completely. There is no more police force. There's no more law enforcement whatsoever. But we leave up all of the speed limit signs. Does it matter? Right? Is anyone going to drive? You can make all the laws you want, but you have to have people to enforce those laws. And, and people in law enforcement don't make laws. That's legislators. Legislators make laws, and those are now the laws. This, this is the posted speed limit. It is 70 miles an hour on the five. But it takes someone to enforce that law for the law to matter. And God has actually given us the authority to be his law enforcement in the earth. We have been given the authority to enforce the principles of the kingdom. So Jesus in John, I want you to follow me here, in, in uh, John uh, 5, verse 19, should be on the screen. Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees, what he sees the father do. For whatever he, God does, the son also does in like manner. The son can do nothing of himself, but only what he sees the father doing. And so we see modeled in Jesus this closeness with God, this intimacy where he, he has this very keen insight into what God is doing, how he's moving, the way he works, the way he's wired, what his character is. He says, I can do nothing except what I see the father doing. Now, the interesting thing is, this whole discourse happens right after he has um, uh, healed somebody on the Sabbath and all the religious people are freaking out saying you're, you're breaking all the rules. And Jesus says, I don't care about the rules. I care about what God is doing. And whatever I see God doing, I'm going to do. Now people have been very upset at our church because we sometimes don't seem like we follow the rules. But guess what? We don't care about the rules. We care about what God is doing. We care about what God is doing, and we're going to do what we see and hear God saying and doing. So Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father doing, okay? What he sees the father doing. So the more that we 
want to see God move, the more that we want to step into the miraculous and, and have our prayers matter, there has to be this closeness, right? This intimacy, this reciprocation. Now, uh, remember he said, I can only do what I see the Father doing. And last verse in Matthew 5, verse 8, in the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So, if you follow the reasoning, if you want to see God move, if you want to walk in step with him, if you want to understand the way that the kingdom moves, if you want to walk in the miraculous, you have to see him, and we see him when we are pure of heart. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight is the purity of our hearts. So imagine imagine you're and it happens in San Diego every now and again, we get fog. You know, marine layer comes in, you get up early and you're driving and it's foggy. Well, when you're driving in the fog, you can't see. The air is not pure and clear. You can't see. So you have to slow down. You don't drive fast in the fog. So when we can't see, our progress is impeded. And actually, to drive fast in the fog is reckless, And we would be foolish to just say, you know what, I'm just going to barrel on. What we need is to be able to see. And when we can see, we can speed up. When we see, things are accelerated. So what you will find when you pray for things is almost all of the time, God won't just give you the thing. God will show you the things in you that are keeping you from being ready for the thing. Okay? And so, don't, you, you need to understand when you pray big prayers, there's going to be a journey before God can answer big requests. Okay? So I want you to imagine, and I actually think, I, I thought of this as I was, I was driving up here, and I think this is actually a specific word for somebody in here. I don't know who. God didn't tell me. But I think this is for somebody. But you come tell me after so my faith can be encouraged, okay? Um, imagine you have a job, and it's a good job, not really super high responsibility. You're not in management. You're just, you know, you just have, have a good, steady job. But you're, you're really believing God for a promotion. And this promotion would be into management. Or maybe it's overseeing a facility or something, I don't know. But it would be a big jump. In, and you're just, you've been coming to men's prayer and you're just like, whatever, just believe in God for this promotion. And you're praying with all the authority you can muster. But what if in you there is a deep-seated fear of failure? And you actually don't know about it yet because your current job doesn't put a demand on you that would expose that, okay? But getting this promotion, you would actually be crippled with self-doubt. You would second-guess every decision. You would be paralyzed. Your subordinates wouldn't respect you. Your subordinates wouldn't want to follow you. You would be terrible at this job if you were to get the promotion because of this heart issue. What kind of God would say, oh, praying for a promotion, sure thing, bink, and you walk into the office and then you fall apart, your job unravels, you get fired, and you're actually worse off than when you started. So could it be that you're praying for a promotion and the necessary first step is for God to highlight in you a heart issue 
that because of your lack of self-worth, you have a paralyzing fear of failure. Now, I want you to imagine how that would play itself out. You're believing God for this promotion, and you're at men's prayer, and you're praying, you're really going after it. And then you go into this season of a couple of weeks, or maybe it's months, where you just are like flooded with self-doubt and flooded with like crippling fear of failure and second-guessing. And you, what would you think? You would think, God has forsaken me. Like, this is, not, this is not working. Like, where is this promotion? I'm getting worse. But actually, that is on the journey to you getting the promotion. God is saying, hey, I am answering this prayer, but to get you from here to there so that there doesn't crush you, we have to deal with some things, okay? Imagine you were to pray for a billion dollars. If... If I prayed for a billion dollars and God gave it to me, it would crush me. I don't, I can't handle a billion dollars. I don't know how to steward a billion dollars. It would be a mess, right? So before God is, would even think, why not pray, God, what is it in me that is preventing you from prospering me the way that you want to? Because the truth is, the truth is, blessing can be heavy. Blessing can be very heavy. And you'll be surprised. There's a lot of things that you're praying for that you're not ready for. And if God were to snap his fingers and give it to you, your life would unravel and fall apart. And uh, where's Paul Churchward? Come on up. Or not Paul Churchward, Paul Anderberg. Sorry, get the keys up here. That would be lovely. I want to close and just spend, I want to give some time for, um, for God to move and just speak to hearts. In, in our life, in Katie and I's life, We've prayed a lot of really big prayers. And one of them a long time ago, when we were first getting together, we were first uh, first married, I wanted to be an amazing dad. I wanted to be an amazing husband. I wanted to be an amazing family man. And I wanted to start a legacy of great fathers that didn't exist up to that point um, in my family. And so we began to pray for that. We began to pray for you know, that, that God would make me into an amazing husband, an amazing dad, and, and all these things. And it was just like the story of the job promotion I just told, it didn't really go the way that I thought. And actually, our first few years of marriage was really, really, really hard because God exposed these things in me, these hard issues that were ugly. My father had an affair on my mom, and they got divorced, and it was a, a big mess. And I when Katie and I were first married, I was convinced, 100% convinced, that at some point I would cheat on her, that I would have an affair. Was for sure, and I would even tell her that. I was like, you know, I just, I, someday, like it just, I, and it was this uh, nasty thing in me. And what God showed me, and again, it felt like I was going backwards. Here I am praying for God to make me into this amazing husband, this amazing father, and this family man. And then these thoughts just spiraling me out of control. But it was God saying, in order for me to get you there, I need to show you that you have a very, very serious heart issue that I am ready and willing and able to heal. And that heart issue was I had submitted myself to the generational curses of the men that have come before me. And I was convinced that I was a slave to the same sins of my father's father and my father. And so actually me praying God Will you make me into an ever faithful husband that I'm gonna be married for 70 years? 
and be faithful to my wife for every single one of those years. The way forward was actually for God to expose some things in my heart. And now Katie and I have, like all that stuff is long gone. God has dealt with, with these heart issues in the most amazing way. And I'm a good husband. I really am. I'm a good father. I'm a good husband. And that's not because of my own, you know, because I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and I gritted my way through it. It's because the God of the universe has the power to heal the human heart. Also prayed years and years and years ago that God would prosper us, that God would make us successful, particularly financially. And I'll tell you why. It's not because I want to live in a rap video and drive 19 Maseratis. I, when I came to this church um, 10 years ago, I was the most cynical person you've ever seen. I would sit in the back with my arms crossed and just grunt at everything. And while everybody else was shouting, wow, and amen, I was going like this. Okay. 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 That was me. Okay. And what actually won me over was I saw these men at Awakened Church that were incredibly successful in the world, were, in, were influential in the marketplace, but were so submitted to this house, so submitted to the kingdom, so submitted to Pastor Jurgen that it confused me. Like you, these guys don't need like they, they have all that the world has to offer, all the money, all the success, all the, all the honor, all the whatever, but yet they love this church, yet they love their God. They would give it all up in a second if it meant, you know, like that, the verse says, better is one day in your course than in thousands elsewhere. And it just confused my messed up little cynical heart, okay? And so I knew after God healed me that that is a calling on my life to be successful in the marketplace so that I, and like I feel called to help cynical people. I love cynical people. I love people that doubt because every doubt you've ever had, I've had and I've worked through it, okay? So God is not afraid of people that doubt. There was a million doubting, everybody gives doubting Thomas a really, really hard time, you know, but like, he said, hey, unless I can put my fingers through the holes in his hands and my hand in his side, I won't believe. And it wasn't like Jesus said, oh, really? Well, it looks like I'm gonna roll with 11 disciples now. Jesus said, if that's what you need, go ahead. Jesus actually answered his doubts. John the Baptist said, are you really the one? He doubted, are you the one or should I look for another? And Jesus didn't just say, you know, well, screw you, I'm gonna go find another locust eating prophet. He said, go tell John what you see and hear. He gave him an answer. And then right after that, addressed a crowd and said, there has never been a greater person born of woman than John the Baptist. God's not scared of people's doubts, okay? So I know that that's, that's on me. That's a calling on my life. And so we, as we got healed up and, and began to grow and develop in this church, we began to pray that God would prosper us and that God would give me favor in the marketplace. And it didn't go well for a pretty long time. But... What God did, as he would, he revealed some things in my heart. And I had a very weird thing where I would get so frustrated when other people would succeed. 
And when I would hear about, and I think you guys have probably heard me tell the story if you've been here for any length of time. I, I went to this prayer group with some of the really successful business people on our campus and I was kind of limping along and I'd show up and it was just God story after God story after God story, money falling off trees. And oh my gosh, I rolled over and I rolled over onto $10,000, it was amazing. And, and I'm just like limping by, struggling. And every God story I heard didn't encourage my faith. It frustrated me. And I was like, God, what is wrong with you? Like, why, why would you do it? Here I am serving your church. I couldn't celebrate other people's successes. I couldn't celebrate other people's successes. And it is, if there is one, this is not in the Bible, this is a little, little secular wisdom for you. Successful people want to see other people succeed. You will find that to be universally true. Failures want to see other people fail, okay? It's not in the Bible, okay? Don't quote Pastor Mike as this amazing Bible verse, but it's true, it's true. And so on the road to God prospering us, God had to reveal this part, this dark part in my heart. And God, it took, you know, prayer, it took discipleship, it took talking it out, it, it took being around successful people and, and seeing that. And the other day, uh, a couple days ago, actually, a, a guy that um, I've had some business challenges with over the years, been in business with him. He's been a client of mine. I've been a client of his. We just had a, a different, you know, a nuanced business relationship. And, and there's a few times things haven't really gone well. And, and um, he uh, was a part of a company that just got acquired um, by Microsoft. It's a pretty, pretty big acquisition. And part of his uh, deal was a, a pretty big, um, pretty big kind of lump sum payout. And it was so cool because um, when I found out that, he, that this company had sold, the first thing in me was like, yes, I am so, and I called him, was like, dude, I am so happy for you, man. I cannot believe it. Come on, what are you gonna do with it? Come on, let's talk through, let's start dreaming. What are you gonna do with that money? And I just, I was so excited. And it was like God spoke to me and said, look, you've changed. God has dealt with that part of my heart. And so I'd love it if you'd all stand to your feet. I'm gonna close out the service and just create some time here. And so the worship team is gonna, play a song here in a second and I'm gonna as I said true to my word I'm gonna ask you a question and if the answer to this question is yes I'm gonna invite you to come forward and there's nothing you know there's nothing there's nothing fancy up here it's just some carpet just a space in the building but if you stay where you are you run the risk of staying where you are and there's just something about physically saying, you know what, God, enough is enough, as Tony said, and I'm gonna walk forward. And there's things that happen up here, okay? And so if the answer to this question is yes, I'm gonna invite you to come forward. The question is, are you brave enough to pray the following prayer? And this prayer is, God, will you search my heart and show me whatever's there, no matter how dark, no matter how buried, no matter from how long ago, no matter how much it hurts. And I am ready to watch you heal it because I don't want what's in me to stand in the way of what you have for me. So if the answer to that question is yes, come on forward. We thank you so much for your
your willingness. God, that there is, there is nothing in us, nothing in us that scares you, that shocks you, no matter how, how twisted we may feel or how, how alone we may feel or how we're the only ones that, that think this way, feel this way, struggle with this. God, it doesn't scare you in the least. God, we know that there is healing for us, that our portion as your children is to be pure of heart. And so God, right now we, we look, we examine the innermost parts of ourselves. God, we say we're not afraid of what we may find. We're not ashamed of what we may find because we know that there is nothing that escapes the power of your redemption. God, that there is nothing in us that could ever keep us from your love, nothing in us that could ever disqualify us. So God, we thank you that healing comes tonight that healing comes tonight. God, that you you can take forever to just to, to move in an instant. God, this may have be something that we've struggled with for years and years and years and years, but healing happens in a moment right now. Right now we speak to every word curse. I believe there's a, a woman in here and, and I just heard the word dits, that your mom or maybe it was a, a sister or something spoke the word Maybe it's dits or bimbo or something of the like. And it was fun and it was like, oh yeah, that's my ditzy sister. Oh, that's my ditzy daughter. And because of that, your whole life, you've said, oh, and you've made light of it. Oh yeah, I'm not the you know, sharpest tool in the shed or whatever. And I just hear God saying, no, no way. Don't you dare speak that over my daughter. You are my child. I have, I have set aside a destiny for you. Don't you dare speak about yourself that way. So we come against every word curse, God, even, even spoken in jest, um, even spoken uh, lightly and in fun. God, you know, oh yeah, this is just my, this is my, my daughter, the klutz. This is just my, my son, he's, he's sickly, he's always sick. We cancel those word curses right now in Jesus' name. We say that we are, that our, our portion is health that our portion is peace, that our portion is joy, that our portion is blessing, that our portion is favor, that our portion is a healthy marriage, our portion is children that are submitted to the church, that, that serve the house of God. Our portion is friendships. Our portion is a community of faith, God, that we do life with. Our portion is an amazing marriage that is filled with intimacy, that is fulfilled. God, we thank you that only you are the healer of hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna, I'm just gonna let the worship team play. And, you know, there's no, uh, I can't say the right words or, you know, put together a perfect prayer. Only God can heal the human heart. And so what we're gonna do is, I just want you, as this song is played, to just pray that prayer that we talked about. God, I want you to search me if there's anything in me that is preventing me from getting all that you have for me, doing all that you have for me to do, I'm ready, I'm willing, search me. And then what I want you to do is as the team plays, I want you just to listen. And here's the amazing thing, just like, I, and I feel like it was so um, just crazy that I had this situation with my daughter this morning because God gave me that, that word, that picture that even when you are at your most fragile, God is at his most attentive. And God would never just reveal something dark in you and be like, oh yeah, deal with it, no way. So what I want you to do is I want you to pray that prayer. You don't have to pray it out loud. Maybe you do pray it out loud, I don't really care. 
And then I want you to listen. And I believe God is gonna very, very gently, very, very delicately, is just gonna highlight some areas in your life. Maybe it was from forever ago, maybe it was just a couple weeks ago, whatever. But then I want you to listen because you're gonna hear him whisper to you how he really feels about you. And maybe it's, maybe it's worthlessness. Maybe you grew up just feeling like I'm, not, I'm worth nothing. And you're gonna find as you listen, as we sing the song, the God of the universe telling you just how precious you are. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe you have a deep-seated feud with somebody in your family. And as God reveals that to you, he's gonna whisper to you gently, I have forgiven you. I have forgiven you. You can go and forgive anybody because I have first forgiven you because I, you can love anybody because I have first loved you. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.